we all want to continue educating ourselves, whether that's through reading books or listening to podcasts or attending seminars or just traveling. But it's often hard to find time with our busy schedules and other commitments to do that. Today, Alex Agoric joins us to talk about how he not only reads 50 to 100 books a year, but has time with his 40-hour work week to still do projects on the side, compete at hackathons, and pursue all of his goals. Welcome, Alex. Hello. Alex, welcome hey, to the show. Hey, how's it going? Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you great. 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 Yeah, I'm in the break room. I'm in the break room right now, so I, I'm good. I'm good. Okay. Yeah, I just finished watching the Give Back Hacks video, and I gotta say, you told me a little bit about it yesterday when we when we met up. But watching the actual presentation and getting to see the data that you had pulled just over the course of that weekend from those teachers, I'm curious to know a little bit about that. But overall, could you just kind of talk about what you did this past weekend at Give Back Hacks and what your project was? Yeah, of course, of course. And I know we had talked about it, so I wanted to send you the video so you actually had a little more context on it. Um, which I'm glad you I'm glad you watched that and loved it. Um, so, yeah, basically, um, on Friday, I presented an idea that my wife had pitched to me on Thursday night, like literally the night before. Um, I got a team formed around it based on a bunch of votes. Um, so there were 72 total ideas that were pitched, and only 14 teams got top voted. And my my idea was one of the top voted ones. Um, and then from there, I had a couple people join my team. We had a, a business person join we had a finance person join and we had a, the, another developer join and then on saturday we came in we sent out a survey to a bunch of teachers we did a bunch of uh survey uh, interviews like one-on-one -on -one phone calls with a bunch of teachers um and then we also um, worked with a designer to make sure we build the proper um, flow for the ideal solution and then we just got to work hacking it away uh and then while i was doing the coding of the website the uh, other teammates of mine were working on the slide deck pretty much like halfway through Saturday, all the way through Sunday. So it wasn't like something that we threw together last minute. <laughs> and then, yeah, Sunday came around and we finished out the development of the site. And, um, yeah, just kind of finished up the slide deck, practice pitch, and then 5 o'clock Sunday pitched it. And your project was to help teachers and students with creating worksheet content so that they don't have to pay for it, and it's easily shareable and searchable, right? Right, right. Uh, more so on, on the teacher side, uh, not necessarily the students, although I guess the students could use it. Um, but the idea is that, like, let's say you want to create a multiple choice or a worksheet or, or a multiple choice or a crossword or a word search, uh, or maybe, maybe there's some random creative thing that isn't necessarily like a, like a template, right? But it's something another teacher has created in the past. There's maybe like a big library of content that can be started uh, from. And so you can either use one of the previously created content or the, one of the generators. And then it takes you to like a drag and drop tool. Kind of think of like Google Forms or, um, you know, like ClickFunnels or HubSpot or any, or MailChimp, like any of these tools where you can just drag and drop elements to build out something. That's kind of what this is intended for. Um, as opposed to like manually doing everything like in Photoshop or having to deal with the rough, rough design constraints that like Microsoft Word has. Um, it's a simple drag and drop tool and would be free, which means it now trumps like teachers pay teachers and other alternatives where they have to pay for it. 
And then by winning, you guys actually got funding to continue the project, that right? That is correct. That is correct. Our team won the top prize of $7,500 in funding and six months of co-working space access and like a couple other things. There's a whole other slide uh, dedicated to prizes. But yeah. <laughs> Have you guys been talking about that or do you plan on uh, meeting up and getting started with that soon or is that... Uh, something for kind of the distant future. Oh, so, so yeah, we actually uh, we applied to what's called the Sea Change Accelerator, which is the Social Enterprise Accelerator Program, Sea Change, and um, we applied to that, and we're pretty confident we're we'll get in, um, only because you know one of the one of the judges actually was from the Sea Change Accelerator Program, and so like if they thought our idea was great, you know, we're, we're just confident based off that. Um, but outside of just the, the program itself, uh, we do want to work on this over the summer um, because my wife is going into uh, education and is an aspiring teacher and really wants this to become a thing, uh, regardless of whether any of the teammates from this past weekend want to help out. So, yeah. When I was when I was listening to the question section at the end, one of the things that popped into my head, just thinking about the podcast and the AI mm-hmm. focus is once you get enough data, if you, you could potentially create um, a machine learning algorithm or use uh, Google Cloud Functions or AWS, some of their services Absolutely. to process all of those forms to automatically generate new content. Absolutely. Do you think, do you think that that would be, that that's like a potential future? Not, maybe not for you, but kind of, well, actually, yeah, for you, exactly. With, with form generation, I feel like that's something that could, could be very awesome and very like possible for not a lot of money oh right yeah now. absolutely when you when you start diving into like google's like deep mind and all sorts of like neural networks and you know all this all these different ways that like things get evolved right you start to touch on like how can it create art from nothing right and so there are some ai algorithms that are starting to touch on like how do you create art or, or music right and it, and it looks at previous content and it kind of analyzes the waveforms or kind of analyzes the way the paint strokes are the, the pixels on the screen to try to simulate that. And ours is, uh, I'll say a little bit easier because it's more uh, componentized in that it's very, it's like, it's like it's an image on the screen or it's a text box in the bottom left corner, right? It's very obvious what is popular and what is not. And like what you just said, over time, enough data goes into it that you could just have a simple form generator with a series of questions where it's like, you're a teacher, like what language is it for? What grade level is it for? Um, or what subject is it for? Um, you know, generally, do you want this to be more on the creative side or more on the text-based side? Do you want this to be more interactive or more informational? Like you can have scales that there's just like a bunch of questions. And then when they hit generate, it creates the perfect form for them using AI. And then they literally don't have to do anything, but maybe move a couple elements around. And then that would be and so then when cool. they move stuff around the machine learning algorithm is like, oh crap, that's where I messed up. Learn, fix it next time. Yeah. Instant feedback right there from yeah, the user. The user immediately has access to drag and drop and move stuff around. And so the machine learning algorithm would say, here's what I generated. Here's what they ended up actually downloading. What was the delta? What was the delta? Right. Okay. So let's take it back a little mm-hmm. bit. You, this is a lot of high level stuff. You've done give back hacks. You've done startup mm-hmm. weekend. You're very active, not only here in the Columbus area, but you are I think I saw that you were from Cali or you've been living in other places. Can you kind of walk us through a little bit of how you got started coding and working in the startup world and 
and and how you're educating yourself now reading 50 to 100 books a year <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. so I, i'll try to keep it short because one time i told someone this story and it took 45 minutes and so i'll try not to bore you um so <laughs> basically um i grew up in northeastern ohio in like a suburb of cleveland and for the longest time uh playing lots of video games i said i want to get into video game development i want to make games whatever that means i want to make games uh, and in high school, I heard it's called computer science. And I was like, no, it's not a science. Like, it's programming. And they're like, yeah, it's called computer science. I was like, all right, whatever. <laughs> and so I, uh, I start to take uh, classes in school. And then uh, I took a vocational thing where half my high school in 11th and 12th grade was normal classes. And then the other half was programming. So it was like three hours a day of programming every single day. Um, and then by the time I got to college, um, or starting to get near college level, I wanted to go to a Southern California school because that's where all the video game companies were. Um, but I got rejected. And so I took a gap year and tried to apply again. I got rejected again. And I was like, all right, I'll just go somewhere local. Um, so I went to the University of Akron for two years as a computer science major. And then I still wanted to go to Southern California. I said, hey, let me apply as a transfer student now that I have college experience. Maybe they'll accept me. And they did. I, went, I actually went to USC um, for a year before realizing that as beautiful as the people and the weather was and as the as, as awesome as the education was it just wasn't worth the cost to me um it's worth the cost to a lot of other people but to me it wasn't uh and so i decided to say hey is video games still really wanted like do i still want to get into video games or is it entrepreneurship and the ability to create my own stuff is what i want to get into Right. And, and, and it, I realized that it's not necessarily building games is that I just wanted to create stuff. And so I said, all right, so forget this USC games track, you know, best gaming school in the nation kind of thing. I'm just going to go back to Ohio where I can be with my girlfriend and it'll be a lot cheaper and I can still pursue that entrepreneurial dream. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, I was in California, but only for a little time. Um, but now I'm in, now I'm in okay. Columbus. And I've been here two and, and a half years. And since you've been coming here, you started in 2015. What was the change that kind of made you want to start reading? Mm. Um, there was a YouTube channel I watched where the guy said, you're an absolute train wreck if you're not reading, which you know, someone who doesn't read and said, I'd prefer videos and movies to books, um, kind of took it a little bit offensively. Um, but then I realized that Actually, he's a really successful multimillionaire who's got a healthy body. And it's like, um, so maybe he is like there's something to it. Um, and then also I heard a quote that says the average millionaire reads 50 books a year. And I was like, sold. Uh, I'm just I'm just doing it. I'm starting it. I don't care if I have to slog through it. I don't care if I skim through a book and I didn't actually read it. Right. But the point is that at least I'm, I'm trying and I'm putting the effort in. And I'm getting stuff done. Um, and yeah. Yeah, I'd say that's those two things, the video and the quote. I actually, yesterday, after you sent me the link to your list of books, I went and did a YouTube video recreating kind of what you did. I created my own version of a book tracker for my own website with a Firebase backend. Yes. And then that Dreamcast tutorial of like the code and everything I put up and was like, I really, I dug your stuff so much that I had to like instantly go and not only copy it, but share me copying it because like, Everybody could use that. The code's out on GitHub. Oh, yeah. You know, anybody. That's awesome. That's awesome. The way I did mine, actually, um, is a, a public GitHub repo with just a readme is Markdown. And then I have a little bit of JavaScript on my site. 
that in real time pulls down that file, converts the markdown to HTML and CSS, and then I obviously have my CSS file, which styles it properly so it looks like it's integrated with the website. But it's actually just a GitHub repo that I modify. That is so much cooler than mine. I need to check that out. I've never seen something pull down like a markdown file and then convert yeah. that into a web page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's all like, it's all hand-coded <laughs> HTML and CSS. So if you look at the actual file, you'll see the JavaScript code somewhere in there that actually pulls it down. But yeah, yeah, I, I try to be, because here's the thing, the, the problem solution that I came up with was I want to be able to add books to my list from my phone. I don't want to have to log into some crazy document or database manager or something like that on a desktop. I want to be able to on the go add a book to my list. And at, at first I was using a, a Google Doc because they have the Docs app, right? And then mm -hmm. I thought about because I'm an iOS developer, maybe I can create my own app. And I was like, God, this is so like cumbersome because I need, what if I want to edit it or have specific formatting or what if I want to add something to the list but not count it towards the 100? And I was like, this needs to be flexible so Google Docs works, but it, the embedding of Google Docs just sucks on a website because the formatting is just terrible. You have no control over the CSS. And I was like, all right, you know what? I'm just going to figure out how to do it with Markdown. I know how to do Markdown. Let me just do that, and then I'll just generate the CSS. And it turns out that's really easy. Someone already created the JavaScript for that. So I just had to import their library. <laughs> right? One of the things that I love about uh, kind of your mission is your concept of adding value. I feel like you're always trying to look at things in rather than a lot of people in the entrepreneurial space who are just trying to figure out a way to, to make profit in kind of like short-term, short-sighted goals, uh -huh. you're always looking to add value and solve problems. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And I'd love if you could speak a little bit on how you've been able to apply that into your current projects that you're working on. Interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah. So one of the projects I'm on, I'll speak to where I'm currently employed uh, during the 40 hours a week is uh, a chase. So I'm actually on their, their frameworks team on the iOS side. So I'm looking for ways to take common code that all of their app teams are building and convert it into basically a reusable component, like a framework that all the teams can use so they don't have to do the same code over and over. Um, so that's that. And then with Chipotle shirt, uh, I'm looking for ways for people to express their love for the brand, right? And so it just some people order the same thing every single time, and I thought it would be hilarious, and I love to share my passion and enthusiasm towards things. And I figure, hey, if I love it, maybe someone else does. And, hey, if it's, if it's charged the right amount of money, people will be willing to pay for it, right? Because you can give something away for free, and then that's the other thing, like price being a myth, in my opinion, and in Grant Cardone's opinion and other people's opinion, price being a myth is that you can give something for free and they won't really use it, but if you make them pay for it, they'll love it, which is like so counterintuitive that a lot of early entrepreneurs and a lot of people in like the startup space don't get. They're like, we'll just give it away for free. It's like, but then they're not going to use it. You can give like a 200 video, 200 hours of video course for, for free and they're not going to implement a damn thing. They're not even going to watch a single minute of that video. But if they paid $1,000 for it, they're going to watch it six times over because they, mm -hmm. they're more invested, right? It means more to them because they had to make a commitment to themselves, right? And so, yes, I do consider the financial side of things, but you're right, I do want to add value because they're the kind of person that they paid good money for it, right? And I don't, I don't want to let them down. I don't want to be the kind of person who I says, 
you know, hey, man, let's play video games later tonight. It's going to be fun. And then I suck and I'm complaining the whole time. And then they're like, why did I commit to this? This is not enjoyable. And so, yeah, with, you know, Chase and Chipotle shirt and then um, the teachers um, thing with the open sheet that I pitched at Give Back Hack, that's the same kind of thing, adding value to the teachers, you know. I don't really care if you want to pay for it or not, but like this is a problem. Let's let's add value. You will use this and you will love it because it's so valuable to you. And eventually we'll figure out a way to make money. The money part comes after it. You need to create value in such a way where it's like compelling. Right? And so I have I have another mm-hmm. brand called Personal Compass. Um, and that one's that one's launching in the next couple of weeks here. And you and I kind of talked a little bit about it yesterday, but the main focus is like, I know people want to become more successful than where they are. Not like, oh, I'm at, I'm at the top 2% of the world and I'm trying to get to the top 1%. Therefore, my life sucks, right? Because people aren't, people aren't looking at where they're at relative to everyone. They're looking at where they're at relative to right now. And so in mm-hmm. everyone's mind, they can improve. And so I'm like, okay, cool. I want to go into that space. And I feel like I have unique selling propositions, you know, unique value ads that I can bring to those people, different angles that they might not have seen, different perspectives they might not have heard of, different ways of thinking that is like, it might not necessarily be better. It might not necessarily be the most efficient, but the fact that it's still adding value through being different means that it might actually be better because it's different. Shifting over to kind of personal development, question you work a 40 hour week and then on top of that you have like two three projects going on right now Mm -hmm. and you're you're very active in the community what is something that you do on a daily basis that keeps you in order and calm through all of that something on a daily basis yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, what's what's something like a habit that you have that just keeps you focused and just keep going with that i would honestly say reminding myself of what my goals are like why am i doing what i'm doing because you can be in the moment you know you can have um what um what mj demarco talks about in his uh unscripted book is like you can have uh you know an f this moment right but if you're not gonna have it sustained right you're gonna forget why you started the new thing like you can say i'm quitting accounting I'm going to join a coding boot camp. I'm going to become a software engineer because the accounting firm I'm at doesn't appreciate me and all the hours I put in. It's like, okay, cool. But what happens when the boot camp's over and you're long past being an accountant? Why did you join coding? Why are you still doing coding? Like there's no longer that pressure. There's no longer that negative energy in your life. So you better have a damn good reason to pursue coding beyond like removing negative energy because the negative energy was removed as soon as you quit accounting. Right. So for me, (laughs) For me, yes. the negative energy of like associated with like, like um, eating healthy versus not consuming sugar. Like if the goal was to not eat sugar, as soon as I didn't choose to get the smoothie and instead I got a bottle of water, that was immediately like there was a non-issue. So what happens six months down the road or even six days down the road when that same choice comes up over and over and over. And I need a continuous reminder about why I chose what I chose and why I'm doing what I'm doing. Right. And so what I literally do um, every single morning and every single night uh, is something that Grant Cardone recommends. uh, And I believe it's in his TEDx 
book, but also in a lot of other things is just daily goal writing in the morning, write down just first thing that comes to mind, you know, what are your goals? And then at night, first thing that comes to mind, what are your goals? And it's not necessarily like, let me write down my new year's resolution over and over and over, but it's in the moment. What are you feeling? What do you want to do with your life? Imagine yourself five years from now or 10 years from now, or just 10 X where you are now, write down some goals quantifiable. So that it's not like I eat healthy, but it's like I eat 20 out of 21 meals a week healthy. You know, it's like some sort of quantifiable trackable metric where it's like I make, mm-hmm. I make a thousand dollars a week or $10,000 a month, like some sort of trackable thing that, and then when you, when you write it, don't say I, I am going to, or I want to say I am currently, or I am right. Because then the mindset mm-hmm. mindset shifts away from future me, uncontrollable, unpredictable, who knows to that's who I am. Right. And there, there's a psychological thing between like, who you're trying to be versus who you believe you are, right? And it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy uh, and the idea that the self wants to be right. So if, if I say I'm a chef and you tell me I'm not a chef, I all of a sudden get very hurt because it's like, that's my identity. That's who I am. That's my ego, right? So if every single morning and every single night you write down, I am a millionaire. I own three houses across the world. I travel monthly. It's like things that's like, that's what I am. Eventually, Mm -hmm. the projects you start to take on fuel those goals because it's like, how can I work remotely and travel and, you know, having a great sex life or whatever while being unemployed, while being, you know, you know, not dating anyone? Like, how can you fulfill those goals? Because now the things that you're doing, your actions are incongruent with your identity. And so it starts with the mindset. It starts with what you're doing mm-hmm. and what you're thinking every day. And then to me, once you have the right goals and the right reasons, the the energy comes easy. Like waking up every day at 5 a.m. to work on uh, a auto email autoresponder is easy because to me, the goal is I want to create a business that can create, you know, X number of dollars per month. And how do I get that? What's why I doing, you know, A, B, C, D, and all the way through double Z, Right. There's a lot of things that need to get done, but, you know, I have a, an overarching purpose rather than I'd like to quit my job someday. Yeah. And the and you get started in the morning, which gives that initial uh, what's the word? It gives you that it starts the ball rolling. And then from there, because the downhill like inertia, yeah, momentum, momentum you got- in. yeah, exactly gets going and then you're just going throughout the day and doing it at the end of the night then subconsciously like having that as the last thing and the first thing that your dream self is going to be in you can just like work on that all Uh night and then in the morning whatever dream self was telling you about then you can act on that i i actually did that with uh seattle when my goal last summer was i want to get out to the west coast so i was writing down for the longest time i am living in seattle Mm -hmm. i am picking up mount rainier I am working at Amazon headquarters, you know, and then just doing that. And that's what I'm doing now. You know, like you just write down and I didn't think I was going to be able to do it. You know, I, I just started coding a year and a half ago, but yeah, absolutely. And how far have you come along that path? Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm, it's amazing how much you can learn once you start to just state your goals. So for you right now, uh, what's, 
is there any way that people can contact you or, or follow you and see what you're working on? Uh, yeah, there's, there is my, my resume website, so to speak, um, which has some contact information at the bottom. Um, and that's just alexogorek.com, um, A-L-E-X-O-G-O-R-E-K.com. Or you can Google my name and I'll pretty much take up the entire front page of Google. Um, I'm very open to communication, <laughs> to be honest. Like if you want to message me over LinkedIn or email, like I'll respond. I get notifications to my phone and I'm not the kind of person that likes notifications, which means I clear them. Like I'm at inbox zero constantly um, across all my apps because I want to make sure I'm on top of my things. Right. Which is another, you know, subconscious thing where it's like if you have no notifications, the only thing left to do is the work. Right. Versus like having a bunch of reminders and it's stressing you out. And then you're constantly thinking about all this other stuff you're supposed to do. If you just do all the tiny stuff, the only thing left is the big stuff. Um, and so, <laughs> yeah, uh, you, there's the projects I'm working on are, are generally listed on that website, um, as well as like a little bit more about my path. Um, like what books I've read is alexogorkcom slash books, for example. Um, my LinkedIn is also usually pretty up to date and, uh, yeah, th sometimes there are, there are not projects that are listed like stuff that I'm working on in the moment, like personal compass, for example, is not listed anywhere, not listed anywhere because I'm honestly a little afraid that if someone finds out about it in its state that it's in and gets a little dissuaded from it, even if they're the perfect customer, right? It's like, I want to make sure that there's at least a little bit of a brand image before I start publicly posting about it. But at the same time, like, I know I just need to move and I know I just need to hustle. I know I just need to get it out there. I need to get it down and get it out. And so there are some stuff like that that's not listed yet, but we'll be very soon. So... Yeah. Alex, thank you for joining us. Be sure to check out Alex's website. He's got interviews on there on other podcasts, videos from a lot of his projects and links to all of his apps and other works. Alex, again, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for bringing thanks for your expertise me. and experience. Have a good thanks one. You as well.